1: You're listening to the Wes and Walker show. I mean, I think it was Baldy, Brian Baldinger. It's Wes, Baldy, and Walker. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7
2: FM WFNC. He threw me an alley right there, Fiddy. My bad, man. He threw me an alley right there. Oh, yeah. Say it ain't stuff. So. <laughs> I was like Penny the Shaq right there, man.
1: Two o'clock on Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We were talking during the break. College football. It's coming back out again. 2025. Yep. It reminded me of the days when my friends would come over and it would be like a birthday or something. And of course, we were young. And so, hey, man, well, we'll get the squad over here. We'll play college football, mini games all night. We can switch. We can even have like a video games Olympics, man. We got the chips rolling. It'll be a lot of fun. That's what it reminds me of. And when we were talking about all of us having those types of moments. Fiddy was talking about that with flounder when they would hang out back in the day. And if you don't know, that's flounder's phone going (laughs) off right now. So flounder, flounder would let him hang out and he just wants to make sure that he is a disruption here in the show. That's right. Anyways, Fiddy and flounder would also try to stay up all night. And I'm like, you know, back in the day that used to be fun to do that with the squad. Like nothing sounds worse right now than trying to stay up all night long And then just going about your day the next day. That sounds terrible. I don't even know if I could do it. What time do you go to
2: bed on most nights?
1: Well, and this is the thing. I'm a night owl for sure. Like Mm. I don't go to bed until it's probably on average these days, like midnight or later. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So even with that being said, and there's plenty of times where I won't fall asleep until like one or something like that, but even just knowing like waking up, at six a.m., seven a.m., eight a.m., whatever, or even if you just haven't slept, and then it's like, oh man, it's real late. You just know your day is going to be terrible. I just, it feels like I couldn't do that, even if I was paid to anymore. The only time I get excited about staying up is if I know
2: I don't have anything to do the next day. Then I'm more like, all right, yo, I'm going to try to stay up as late as I can because I don't have anything to do tomorrow. I can sleep in, I can nap, but but I don't then have we anything can, to do. but
1: then like go to sleep at like maybe two or three. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Not yeah. pull an all
2: nighter. Yeah, 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 and. Even with that, I'm I'm probably not staying up past 132. Yeah,
1: man. That You know, that's that's even pushing it. But but with college football back in the day, oh, yeah. yes, sir, oh, yeah. Many games, repeat, 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 <laughs> nonstop. Or playing and then, your dynasty. Or playing the dynasty mode. Race to the Heisman is still my favorite thing ever. In 2006, mm. Desmond Howard on the cover. When they covered.
2: added the Heisman, I mean, the high school football element to it, I thought that that was cool. I did it a couple times just to see what school I would end up at. I did it a little bit. I didn't completely go through it and finish a career though.
1: It did not matter how good you were, your were freshman or sophomore season. You were not winning the Heisman. You could go Archie Griffin and go back to back, but you could not win as a freshman or sophomore because in 06, nobody had done that before, one at that young of an age. Now we've seen it a few times. But back then, like I would have a scrambling QB. Every single time, Mm -hmm. of course, he would turn down the top three offers and he would go to Chapel Hill and play for North (laughs) Carolina. And then he would lead the heels to a championship, averaging 100 rushing yards, 100 receiving yards, because we're going to roll in with the wide receiver reverse pass to the QB and like 500 passing yards. Nope, didn't matter. Even if I average that every game. You were not winning the Heisman freshman or sophomore year.
2: Yeah, I was definitely a dynasty guy, and especially in my college days, man, when I would come home on breaks or, you know, in the summer, I would always have those days where I would somehow nap, like, at night. I'd fall asleep at, like, 8 o'clock or something like that for, like, an hour, and then I'd be wired, and then I would just stay up and play two to three games of college football until about 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's definitely how I used to get down with that.
1: Maybe we can go to the text line. I want to see what kind of response this will bring up before we go to the live wire, because I'm reminded of a time that I played a college football game with one of my friends and it was always Virginia tech and Texas because we needed a scrambling QB. It's always much more fun to get the rushing quarterback. So I had Texas all the time playing with Vince young. Okay. Yeah. And I my buddy would, too. my buddy would always go Virginia tech and roll with Marcus Vick who was awesome on that game. Yeah. Marcus Vick might as well have been Michael Vick on that game. Yeah. And so, epic battles between Texas and Virginia Tech. I'm down like 28 and nothing one time. I get five onside kicks in a row. And you talk about (laughs) throwing controller mad. My buddy was not here for it. And so, what's the most ridiculous win you've ever had in a video game? Can something come to mind for you? 704-570-9610. That's the FanDuel text line.
2: Yeah, uh, I got one. The, the first time I got over the hump against my older cousins. Uh, my older cousins used to beat me down all the time in Techmo Bowl. Uh, I think it was Super Techmo Bowl. Yeah. And then I beat them one time. Uh, I ran like so many yards back with my quarterback and I just let the ball go down the field and my receiver was waiting right there to catch the touchdown that won me the game and that was the first major victory I had over my cousins who routinely beat me down but then uh, kind of after that you know I got better and better and then as we got into the PlayStation phase then it used to just be total annihilation when I showed up I was just beating the brakes off of everybody
1: Jack riding in West Virginia Pat White and Steve yes, Slayton Pat, had 700 yards Slayton rushing. Was nice. Yeah they were nice that, that was fun. Um, Yeah, so sibling rivalries, I got to see one one time. They were playing college baseball, like it was MVP baseball or whatever, and the mm-hmm. Texas baseball player was on the cover. And my friend's little brother was about to beat him for the first time ever. But then my friend got into a pickle out there between first and second base, mm-hmm. and he just kept running back and forth and back and forth. And sure enough, the here comes the error. He slides home to win the game, and Aww. his little brother went nuclear crazy (laughs) like destruction tried to grab his finger and bend it all the way back like psycho type of stuff and had to be grounded for sure because of the way that he acted after losing. yeah that's a tough sibling rivalry stuff oh i got crazy stories about my brothers going at it too i used to love that yeah watching my cousins go
2: at it like i said that how they would get into it over Mm -hmm. the smallest stuff that's right and I'd just be sitting back there laughing because I didn't have siblings to get into it with, so I just enjoyed that
1: foolery. Three three six says Walker <laughs> spewing cab. I don't even know what am I lying about. Yeah, I don't even I don't know, know why I would be I'm lying. Sure. I don't know. Anyways, you can tell us some of typical the... whack ass Walker. I don't know why that had to be in there either. All right, <laughs> How am I getting clowned? I'm talking about video <laughs> games, man. I'm just trying to share in the nostalgia. Time now to go to the live wire with Fiddy. Live wire connect.
3: Um, Fiddy checked with J.D. during the part of the segment. He's not happy that he was not asked about his favorite college football video game memories growing up. As well, go ahead. You can it. share
1: it. Go ahead. You got the mic now. J.D., go ahead. And, hey, J.D., Head it back to Fiddy real quick. <laughs> cool. Thank you. What you got, Fiddy? I don't remember. Are you serious? <laughs> Is this the second time that you've dropped the bomb on the show just for us to get completely derailed? Is that what you just did twice now?
3: A college football memory, no. A Madden one stands out very vividly. Flounder over for my birthday. I think it was going into eighth grade. We play a game. He's the Giants. This was Panther fitting. Five-minute quarters. (laughs) He beats me 86-84. Oh. Good lord. (laughs) 86-84. 86-84. Flounder
1: maniacally laughing in the background was also great. I want to know what the yardages were. Like, how many How many yards did Jim Delome throw for?
3: It was – oh, I ran the ball. Okay. Yeah, but that was one where I – it was, like, the first time I think I vividly remember cussing in front of my parents – but they didn't hear it because I remember getting the, the pillow and yelling the F word because he beat me. Mm-hmm. But it was like they didn't hear it, so it was kind of it was kind of funny. Speaking of someone who, who lost a big game, a lot of it was his fault, Cam Newton. And uh, there's a guy on the show that makes a lot of jokes about him fumbling the ball in the bag, if you will. There is, yeah. In said Super Bowl, and on his fourth and one podcast, Cam Newton finally admitted he should have jumped on the loose ball. It ain't no...
4: Excuse for me not jumping on the fumble. Okay. I should have jumped. Okay. So, I'm not even going to give you something because that will be the take that somebody I should have jumped on the fumble. Okay. Straight up. There's no it, the competitor in me if that happens again, duh. You know what I'm saying? And the this is the Super Bowl. Facts. all effort goes to like, yo, Super Bowl energy. That wasn't Super Bowl energy. And I think that is what hurts the most. It's like, yo, you don't get an opportunity to go back. It's not promised for you to go back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the next year, that's when the shoulder injury happened. The oh, like, year following that, that's when the foot injury happened. So you don't necessarily know
2: when it's gonna be your time again. When it's again. gonna be
4: your time. Like that was your time to seize the moment, DM. The words that I live by. Mm-hmm. And I and I didn't. So you know, looking back at it, you will never have an opportunity again.
3: Walker, I want to revisit a painful Sunday evening for you on 2015 when Cam Newton fumbled the ball. Do you remember yelling at your quarterback to jump on the ball? Did you understand why Cam Newton did not go after the ball and did that comment nine years later help you, help you feel any better about the fact that in the biggest moment, in the biggest stage, your quarterback didn't do what he needed to do to help his team win a game?
1: I was frustrated for sure. Wasn't exactly pleased with Cam Newton, but also I wasn't exactly pleased with the entire team's performance that day. And the idea I was living by at that time was very Johnny Manziel-like. If we win or we lose, it doesn't matter. We drink. (laughs) And that's what I was doing, watching the Carolina Panthers lose that Super Bowl, eventually 24-10, to against the Denver Broncos. The reasoning here is interesting, or it's not even providing any reasoning, but then you start to see some other people quote tweet this and discuss what else Cam maybe has said in years past or some of the analysis on it. Like, I do think Cam wanted to pick the football up and try to hit Devin Funches down the left sideline as much as he possibly could. Cam is right, you can't do that when you've got a couple Broncos in the backfield and it looks like they're going to go and get that football. Even if you're down 16-10 at the time, you need a drive. It just felt like Cam was trying to do the Superman thing and pick up the football, still stay on his feet, so he could throw it downfield or at least run it, and we've seen him come up with some crazy plays. But this is Cam Newton, who's been catching a lot of heat for the fumble because of his comments on some of the game managers at quarterback, and so he's hearing that a lot right now. He felt the need to address it. It's the first time we've really heard him address it like this. And I thought it was interesting. He just said, "Look, I didn't jump on it, and it's all my fault." Wes as somebody that's accused him, not accused him, but just flat out making fun of him for not jumping on the fumble. What
2: do you have to think? <laughs> what do you have to say about Cam's response? Well, well, all right. So he definitely uh, gave fodder to the conspiracy theorists about what happens during games. Because the one thing, the thing that was the most weird to me about that moment was that. You know, Cam Newton, nobody's going to ever accuse him of calling, accuse him of being soft. And, you know, I know I like to mess with you guys about it and joke with Panther fans about it. But at the end of the day, you know, this was a guy, how many clips we see running through three, four tackles, flipping over guys, putting his body on the line right. all the time. I mean, we know when the Panthers got to the one, two, three-yard line, it was going to be a quarterback sweep or a quarterback dive, and he was going to go over the top no matter who was there. So that was the thing that was so perplexing about him not jumping on that fumble was like this is a guy that has no problem putting his body in harm's way on a regular basis, despite being a quarterback. So when he didn't jump on that fumble, man, it, it was just very, very uh, questionable to me. And 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 it's just, I I would probably argue that that was the most bizarre moment in a Super Bowl that I that I've seen. It was as far bizarre. As a player that went completely out of character from what they normally are. And so, uh, but you know, I'm sure that's a that's a moment that's going to haunt Cam. Uh, For the rest of his football career, I'm sure he thinks about it all the time. Uh, but it was definitely definitely just a very, very strange moment. And I guess I could add that to the lore of Queen City Magic, of stuff happening here that just doesn't happen anywhere else. How many teams could claim their quarterback saw a fumble on the ground and didn't jump on it in the Super Bowl?
1: Yeah, and again, you could see that Devin Funches was wide open on the left side. It, it, he's looking that way. Like, it feels like that's what he's trying to do. But you can't when you just got to retain possession as best you can. And Cam didn't do it. And that's why he also, in that spiel about him not jumping, on it. He said, "Like I'm not even going to give you the reason as to what I was thinking in the moment because people are going to run with it and they're going to try to say that I excuse it. So I don't. Like I'm not going to tell you why. I should have jumped on it. That's my fault. I have to live with that and we'll try to move on. Let's go one more sound bite here, Fiddy.
3: All right. Uh, we had Steve Forbes on earlier in the show. We'll, we'll get to his audio maybe in a Friday edition of the Live Wire. But Brendan Marks College basketball reporter for the Athletic. He joined the Kyle Bailey show earlier this week to talk about the lack of respect the ACC is receiving across multiple bracketology sites.
5: The hate is uh, insane. Yes. Um, the one thing, the one thing that I would say about Joe Lennardi, and I know that he is ESPN's face of bracketology, and and that is not an easy field. Um, you know, predictions are just excuses to be wrong in advance. I will say there are some online ranking systems uh, where you can see who the most bracketal, just most accurate ones are year after year. And somebody who has a loud platform, but isn't ranking particularly high in those metrics. Um, I'm not going to take what they say with, with the utmost sincerity. So like two years ago, you had two teams in the final four. You had another final Four team last year, any statistic you want to pick in terms of actual NCAA tournament success. You know, the only reason that we play college basketball is right. to that field. Um, I'm going to stick with the teams that do well there. And if you want to get nine bids in and not have any of them get to the second weekend, you go ahead. I'm going to stick with the winners. I'm going to I'm going to stick with the ACC.
1: Mm. It's a West. That was a weak West Bryant. Yeah, How about good. this one. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> 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 mm, all right, I'm done. Wes, what did you have to think, say about Brendan Marks talking about the lack of success that ACC might have getting teams into the tournament? But once they get there, yeah, they ball out because they're battle-tested at that yeah, point. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know why, you know, there's a question and why the
2: ACC should get more grace because we know if this was football in a scenario with the SEC, I don't think that they would have the same issue. We know what the ACC represents when it comes to the NCAA tournament In years when they thought that the ACC was down and all of those things still had fun Final 14 still had teams in the Elite Eight, Sweet 16 littered with ACC squads. And so that's the thing that kills me about this whole thing is that. They know who the preeminent conference in college basketball is. It is the ACC, and they prove it time and
1: time again. It feels worse this year, and this has been happening the last couple of seasons, but it does feel worse this year where I actually do think Wake Forest, really talented. Clemson, I think a good basketball team. You look at non-conference, ACC performed well there. 9-3 against, and good three against basketball. the Big 12. 9-3? Right. right, against good teams. It, it feels like this is really hard to try to find a reason as to why you are so down on the ACC. Compared to even years past where already they were being accused of not giving the ACC as much respect. A couple more segments to go. We can go back to the Carolina Panthers conversation on the other side of the break. It's Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.
0: McDonald's is not new to chicken. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back,
2: folks. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio, 927 WFNZ. And uh, hearing the theme song of Cody Rhodes from WWE just reminds me of the experience we had uh, this past Friday at SmackDown at the Spectrum Center. And I've been meaning, you know, to kind of get at the WWE just just a little bit, man, because they didn't do us right, Walker. They, they, they come out, and so they have what they call dark matches, right? And this happens either before or after the show, and they call it dark because it's a match that doesn't make the telecast. It's just okay. a match that they give for the fans to be able to have so we got Cody Rhodes and Solo Sokoa in a dark match and we also got Gunther uh, in a dark match against I forgot what the guy's name was he's from North Carolina so they let him get in there and get some shine in front of his hometown people but if you recall I talked about the press conference that had happened the day before uh, in Las Vegas with The Rock and Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins and it was just super lit so we go in expecting That, you know, we're going to get a continuation of this. We're going to get some fallout. We're going to get The Rock. We're going to get Roman Reigns. I mean, this is going to be spectacular. We got none of that. And then they told us, they let us know early in the show when Paul Heyman did one of his cutscenes with Nick Aldis. And he said that Roman Reigns is not here tonight. You heard a collective groan uh, from the crowd. They were like, oh, my God. And then we see the promotion for SmackDown coming up this Friday in Salt Lake City to which Roman Reigns and The Rock is going to be there. And I said, this is how they do the Queen City, man. They just look over us. They just decided, nah, we had all this cool stuff happen the night before. But we're gonna skip Charlotte and we'll we'll take all the good stuff to Salt Lake City, man. I was I was a bit fired up about that, as was all who was with me, man. We were very frustrated. Including Drew. This. Drew was real. Drew upset was, about uh it. yeah, Drew. Well, Drew wasn't quite hip to the <laughs> storylines, but uh myself and Nate Wimberly and, and my son, you know, we were not Happy About how the show
1: transpired I meant to ask you about the squad That you rolled in with Because yeah. it was a, not all over the place You had your family members I know you and Nate Wimberly are tight yeah. But then just seeing big old Drew yeah. You put out a photo on your story Where Drew for those that don't know He is the 6'10", former basketball player <laughs> mm-hmm. That works in the building And he is the one with the crazy hot takes That he'll deliver in the fishbowl Before we hop on the mic And also was talking I guess pretty right
2: about the wrestling world he was just saying that he felt like that it was washed like it wasn't as popular as i made it out to
1: but be also honest. but also like and i'll use this in a like he was willfully ignorant like he was telling you i know i'm wrong and yet i'm still going to dig my feet even further yeah. into this take yeah. that is so very wrong but what's cool about drew is you offered him all right man why don't you come with me We're going to take you a night out on the town. We're going to take you to the Spectrum Center. You'll get to see what it's like. And Drew was down for it. And the picture was hilarious because, again, 6'10", (laughs) pushing 6'11", (laughs) into those tiny Spectrum Center bleacher seats. I don't fit very well. I don't know how well you fit, but you and I, when we went to the garden up in Boston, scrunched. No,
3: you were at the TD Garden. Get it right, damn it. That's the
1: third time you've done that this show. That's the third time. But then we're all scr- <laughs> we're all scrunched up, and this guy is almost seven feet, and he looked like it. His knees were about to hit him in the forehead. <laughs> it feels like the further up you go, the more they give you a little
2: bit more room, I guess, to try to give you uh, a little bit of a tradeoff, so to speak. But, yeah, man, we had a good time. He loved it, though. I mean, he was loving it. I mean, he said, if anything – if you're not a wrestling fan like that, when you go to WWE, the production value alone, you're gonna be like, Man, this is pretty cool.
1: He was talking to me without you in there. I was like, All right, you can tell me the real what's up, <laughs> what's up? Don't you don't have to lie, you don't have to cap in front of Wes. He's like, No, man. Well, it was it was fun. He said if anything, if nothing else, they know how to put on a show. Yeah, and he couldn't believe the size of the
2: the the guys in there and how athletic A lot of them were, man. That was the thing, too. You know, he was looking at the Drew McIntyres and and Randy Orton's and guys like that. he's like, God, these guys are huge. And then the way that they move around, man, they were hell athletic. L.A. Knight showed up even though he didn't wrestle, which that was another disappointment. Oh, no. Yeah, he didn't wrestle. He came out, you know, they'll have it sometimes to where they're having some type of tournament that uh, a guy will come out and watch and just talk trash now they do end up being a part of it because if you know wrestling you know at some point Mm -hmm. they're gonna try to distract the ref or they're gonna try to distract the guy that they don't like the most and that's what la Knight did and he took a couple of uh knockouts when he went up on the stage and tried to uh to distract the referee and things of that nature but he sat on the side with the commentators and was over there saying his stuff.
1: Man, there are people that are writing you right now maybe taking offense to what you're saying. Charge Doctor writes in, Wes, show me where WWE hurt you. I mean, he's telling you where they hurt him. And Justin (laughs) from Charlotte said, it was a sellout crowd at Spectrum Center. I think wrestling is getting popular again. Another person, I think it's Bad QB TV and Radio Evaluator, he said, Stone Cold Stunner somebody. Yo, quit being basic. And then he also said, Wes sounds like Walker's girlfriend right now, either non-existent or wild why am I catching straight? Yeah,
2: I don't know what they're talking about. For one, I'm just saying that my city, we should have it. gotten a rock. We should have gotten Stone I mean, not Stone Cold. We should have gotten Rock and Roman Reigns, and we should have been able to continue the aftermath and the fallout uh, from that press conference. And if you don't like it, uh, you can go to hell. So there we go with that.
5: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some football conversation because a lot has been made of Steve Wilkes. We know him. Uh, we love him here in the Queen City. We know he's a West Charlotte alum. He coached the Panthers. We know the whole story there. Let go in San Francisco after one season. And it's been a huge topic. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about it. And there's been a lot of different angles uh, that people have taken. Uh, you definitely have the race element in this one as well, as far as with Wilkes getting fired after one year from Arizona. And then the deal he caught with the Panthers and now losing his job uh, after one year with the 49ers. And so, you know, for me as a 49ers fan, uh, I did not have a problem with the move because I felt like that this was something that it was just a weird fit all season long from them asking him to come down from the booth, uh, from the situation they had against the Vikings. Uh, And so when you look at it and you start to dig into it, I didn't. Lord knows we're talking about the comments coming from Nick Bosa, which is the last person who should comment about an African-American coach because we know the reputation uh, that he has, <laughs> and so we know coming from him
1: is oh, definitely no. going to be taken Wait, a I did not see Nick Bosa's comments. What did he say? Uh, Bosa just said after the I Super Bowl, he
2: felt like that they could have been better prepared uh, for some of the things uh, that they did, and then he said, quote, I think he does a great job with the back end, and obviously we had some issues this year, throughout the year, he said, but that's part of playing a full season, and I think we were playing our best ball uh, at the end, and then he talked about how they weren't prepared for some of the design run plays uh, from the Chiefs. So that's coming from Nicholas John. So we'll get to this, and then you can rock and roll. All right. Uh, So the 49ers, before Coach Wilkes got there, under D'Amico Ryans, uh, they led the league in scoring defense and also defensive expected points added. And so they took a step back this year. Still third, though, in points allowed this season. And they were ninth in defensive uh, expected points added. But, again, you talk about the playoffs, the rush defense against Green Bay, Detroit, uh, the Chiefs and what they were able to do. And, you know, I also look to, you know, being a fan, being immersed in it every single day, every single Sunday. You know, I knew it was Ryan's and Robert Sala. They, You know, you would see them celebrating with them. And when they come off the, the field after a big stop, you know, they're high fiving and chest bumping and stuff like that. And you didn't see a lot of that with Wilkes And it. And I kind of felt like that the guys, uh, you know, may not have necessarily been as high on him as they were on the other guys. Uh, but Fred Warner said he thought that the season with Wilkes went well. He said people are going to be critical because when you go from having the number one defense one year, then the guy comes in and you're not the number one defense. Uh, everybody is saying what happened. Uh, but Shanahan just talked about how, you know, they brought Wilkes in with him uh, being tasked with, Continuing on with the defenses that Sala and Ryan's had put together, the same scheme. Those guys all ran the same scheme and Wilkes's is a little bit different. Yeah. And so Shannon said you want to tie things together. Steve was always working to do that. There's no doubt about it. But it was just for his background and how it ended up with us. It was harder than it needed to be. And I felt it would improve us going in a different direction. And so uh, you know, I'll just say to wrap up on my comments. You know, I thought in the Super Bowl, I thought the defense did play really well. But I did think that you had two chances to close the game uh, with the lead. The defense could have done that. They did not. Uh, You know, you talk about Shanahan having to call a timeout, which is something I'd never seen him really do to Salah or Ryan's. And I just felt like, too, with the the playoffs, the way the defense kind of fell off, and then some of the issues they had in the regular season, I just felt like that it was a weird fit uh, all the way around once he got in there. And I, I hate it for Coach Wilkes, but as you know as a forty nine fan I, I I felt like uh it was the right thing to do
1: yeah, to say that Steve Wilkes and the job that he did in San Francisco was fireable was pretty I don't think that's correct I can't t- i was going to say it was surprising, but there had been enough conversation about it to where I'm not really surprised. If you go back and just watch how Kyle Shanahan would talk about Steve Wilkes this year. Especially during some of the problems that they would have during the three-game losing streak, after the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan seemed to have a very vocal problem with Steve Wilkes for a lot longer than you really even needed to. Like, if you want to move on from Steve Wilkes, you being a 49er fan yourself, okay. But why it felt like Shanahan would always use him as a scapegoat, like. To me, it doesn't even feel like this is the only move that we can point to and say, oh, you're using him as a scapegoat for losing the Super Bowl. We can go back to when you played that blitz against Minnesota. Jordan Addison goes for a touchdown, which, by the way, was a remarkable play anyway. And then you kept talking about it for like a week and a half. Dog, move on. You just kept talking about it. Why in the world does any other coordinator – For that stretch of time on a winning Super Bowl contender, get that much flack for what was a minimal bad stretch in the regular season. So then this happens against Kansas City, where you play that man in Pat Mahomes. You play great defense in the first half. You dominate. You dominate in the trenches. And so when he says he did a great job in the back end, when Nick Bosa is telling you that, man, Nick, it felt like the game plan in the first half. You played really well, and it felt strategic, not just dominance. It felt strategic in the way that you were trying to keep that lane integrity. And then it broke in the second half because you wanted to go after the quarterback, and you didn't want to keep lane integrity. And what happened, Pat Mahomes was able to run to the outside. It was one p- – have you guys not watched film before? You know that Pat. You know Pat Mahomes destroys teams with his legs in the playoffs more than any other quarterback you can think of. More than Lamar Jackson. Think of the best rushing quarterback of all time. Pat Mahomes better than them statistically in the postseason with his scrambling ability. You act like this was a surprise when he decided I'm going to keep the football on these have to have him situations. That's on you. That's on you. There was one play where Pat Mahomes in the huddle tells you, hey, if this part of the field opens up, I'm going to take it myself. It wasn't even his own read. I'm just going to keep it. He takes it. And then he runs for 20 yards. We've seen him destroy man coverage like that before. So the fact that Nick Bosa said, oh, they played well on the back end. Okay. Feels like it was strategic for you. It just feels like Steve Wilkes can't catch a break, man. Like, I don't know what he's like behind closed doors. Okay. I know the players in Carolina loved him. Mm -hmm. I know you're getting some compliments from other players not named Nick Bosa about Steve Wilkes. I know that. I don't know about other coaches and how well they got along with Steve Wilkes or how well they didn't. But I know Kyle Shanahan visibly clearly had the biggest problem. Last thing I'll say on this, man, look, Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, they did that same thing to Philadelphia last year in the Super Bowl. John Gannon got a promotion. Yeah. John Gannon got a head coaching job because of what happened. Steve Wilkes is getting fired. I just don't know, and I don't understand how it makes sense to fire a guy. You thought he did such a poor job, despite injuries, by the way. Like, you lost your safety, all-pro safety, in the middle of the season. You lost Dre Greenlaw because the dude was hopping up and down, excited to go play in the Super Bowl. Nope, tears his Achilles. Like, you lost some key pieces, and then you get fired because you were a top-ten defense. Kyle Shanahan, I love him as a head coach, as far as a tactician, as far as strategy, X's and O's. Offensive genius mold But this feels like I need to blame somebody And Steve Wilkes you're that somebody
2: Yeah and the thing is too is that I felt like, because I remembered earlier in the season, Richard Sherman talking about a lot of stuff that he was doing with the defensive line, uh, pointed to what Bosa said. And I remembered around mid-season when Richard Sherman was talking about all the stunts and a lot of the different things that he was doing that hadn't been done with them previously and how he would just, uh, the previous coordinators would just let them pin their ears back and go on third down and not run some of the stunts in the games that they would do. Uh, People talked about the trouble that they had with some of the motions and adjusting to Kansas City's play actions. Uh, throughout the game, uh, especially in the second half. And so, you know, the numbers and all of those things were very rock solid. No question about it. And that's why, to me, it just points to some, like Shanahan was talking about how it was harder than it needed to be. And I feel like it was probably a situation to where Wilks uh, probably did not want to run the previous scheme all the time. And I just think it was an issue to where, like Bosa said, that You know, he was great with the secondary, but not necessarily coaching up the front seven as much. I'm not sure. I think it was kind of a deal, though, to where there were some things behind the scenes that we didn't know about that didn't mesh well together as to why this move was made. And I think it just kind of crescendoed in what happened in the Super Bowl. And they were just like, all right, we need to go uh, move on another direction. Because the only thing I would say about it coming from Bose is that, you know, he never was critical of or D'Amico Ryans. And so that was the only thing to me that I was just like, hmm, I've never heard Bosa say anything like that about the previous coordinators. So maybe it wasn't the fit that maybe we thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah, so the other thing I'll say too is that I know Steve Wilkes isn't perfect. I don't think that. Like, I don't think he was perfect yeah. when he was defensive coordinator here in Carolina. It felt like he blitzed a little too much in the second half of the season where he was D.C. That defense started to slip a little bit. I know that there can be some problems with Steve Wilkes' defense. It just – It means you did a terrible job when you get fired. That's usually what it means, especially if it's just your first season. Yeah. Right? Like, they got to the Super Bowl, and they got ran on in those postseason games, the first two. Their rush defense wasn't amazing, that's for sure. But was it a fireable offense? To me, this is just Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes not getting along behind closed doors, which, okay, and he like
2: There was definitely, you know, we we saw him MF and him on the oh, sidelines yeah. and stuff yeah, like no, that. And again, those were things I just never really saw
1: with Sala or Ryan. No, you're right. So Sala and D'Amico Ryan's too, like came up in that system as well. Mm-hmm. And so like the fact that maybe Wilkes was just so against running the same type of scheme that Kyle Shanahan had in his brain when Salah was there and D'Amico. And so, OK. But it's not a great look for Kyle Shanahan because of what we've seen all year long. Like, I would still probably be saying some of the things I'm saying if it was Mm -hmm. just because of the Super Bowl, which, again, for so long they played well, even the postseason run. But we've seen Kyle just, like, during some of the rough stretches of San Francisco's time, it was like it was all Steve Wilkes and nobody else was getting any blame for it. And, I mean, you know,
2: and to the Texans out there, listen— You guys know, listen to me, I'm no Shanahan. Like, I don't have my Shanahan pom-poms out, like, all the time. I'm not like that. He definitely, there's plenty. It was a total team loss. There's no question about it. From the CMC fumble to the muff punt to the block field goal, because if anybody should have been fired, too, the special teams coach should have been up out of there as well, too, if you're going to get rid of Wilkes, man. But hopefully uh, they knocked the hiring out of the park. Uh, I'm hoping for maybe like a Rex Ryan or somebody like that to come in.
1: You want Rex in
2: there. Yeah, yeah. I'll take Rex in there, man. Sexy Rex. (laughs) So hopefully they knock this thing out of the park, man. But you know when you lose, everything's going to be critiqued. Everything's going to be criticized. And so that's just the way it goes. But when we come back, folks, we're going to close this thing down. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio
0: 92.7 WFNZ.
1: conversation has dominated the day again. Dominated the day, man. Here we are after we were bringing up Robert Sala because we were continuing to talk about the defensive coordinators. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe just as a DC in San Fran, you need to have a beautiful bald head. Check with Sala. Check with D'Amico. This is true. That is a... (laughs) Sorry, Wilkes, you're too much of a That's silver a fox, trait. man. So I guess
2: if Rex Ryan has to come in, he's going to have to shave his head. Uh,
1: that is priority number one in finding the next defensive coordinator. But as we're talking about J.D. figuring out the alter ego for one Fiddy now, trying to figure out if he's going to be J.D., he said, yeah, man, Sala has a beautiful bald head. <laughs> and now we've been trying to force Fiddy to shave his head and just come on home for a while now, but he refuses to do it. But he always entertains it. He never just completely shuts it down. But this has been happening for a year and a half. Yeah. I, it's time to go straight up Robert Sala and just shave the dome, man. I like told you him, have shave to. it, then have a nice
2: manicure, beard and mm-hmm. get it nice and thick. Then we can do the JD. Now, he talks about adding some tats, but... JD, JD might be. Do we think JD's built for tattoos? I don't know, because I think JD would turn back to Fiddy real quick. I don't know if he's built to sit under
3: that
1: needle for two hours, three hours.
3: Yeah, look, Fiddy can attest he's not in the tattoo business. Can't can't do it.
1: Especially if you're trying to get a sleeve, because JD is not just getting one tattoo. no.
3: J.D.'s getting, like, the snake sleeve.
1: And you could get that tatted. J.D., you could get that tatted on you. And by the way, brightly colored tattoos. So, you know, the needle is going to be a little deeper. And I don't think J.D. can handle that because he turns it back into Phidias. Yeah,
2: and you got to get the coloring, too, when you're done. So, that's, you know, that's double up. Not only is he going to draw it on there, but then you got to get that coloring where he's sitting there just going back and forth on that skin and you smell that flesh. Mm. Oh, is that how it is? Yeah. I, mean, yeah, oh, I don't know. JD, JD's now <laughs> <Yeah>. second-guessing
3: tattoos. <laughs> yeah, dog.
1: That was as scary as I've ever heard a tattoo described yeah, before. Yeah, you got
2: to be built for it. Every time I've got one, I sat there and I'm like, oh. God, do I want to sit here for Because my last one was like eight hours and I was like, God, do I want to keep sitting here and getting this done? But the, once you in, you in.
3: First-class problems. The, the burning of, <laughs> you, you said the smelling of the flesh. That's that, what it smells like to me. The, the phrase. Meat. Yeah, it smells
2: like because, you know, you're bleeding. They got to wipe right. the blood and all that stuff while they're doing it. Oh, Fiddy so. doesn't do blood.
1: Yeah. There's no way you do blood. <laughs> oh, do <you>? no. Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> I no. figured
4: that I
2: ain't too. You I've, know what I'm saying?
1: I figured so. that was it. I, I do want to see, though, like, what are the chances we can actually get you to shave your head?
2: Yeah, I don't know what crew at Queso got mean. Tattoos do hurt.
3: I don't know what he's talking about. So <laughs> if I'll commit to this, if, if I don't do it, because I—, I I'm 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 there. Like I know I want to do it, but I just don't know if I want to look like a grown up Caillou walking around the the building. <laughs> as far We're as I know, be Caillou. <laughs> as far as I know, I'm not going to be in Dallas, Texas for next Thanksgiving, which means I will be a part of the Street Turkey Show. Oh, we got to wait so long. We, I'm not going to do it as a punishment. This no, is this at, is a beautiful at, at thing At the bare for minimum, you. if someone wants to donate hundred dollars at Street Turkeys, if I haven't already done it, we can, at, That's the latest. I'll go before I shave the head. And if someone donates, then I'm not going to be like you, man. I'm going to pay off my bets. I'm going to get my head shaved because I ain't heard a poem. I'm sorry. You, we, haven't, we haven't had a hot wing challenge.
1: I'm still trying to get over the sugar intake from a two liter of soda I drank in a couple of hours. That was, that was so great. That messed me up, man. I felt weird. I felt dizzy when I got home. And you think I'm playing? I'm not. That was all very real. And Wes was even looking at me, said, yeah, it looks like you're struggling to finish that thing. Again, I'll take ownership for it not being the greatest radio gag, but it still hurt. It got the job done as far as a punishment goes. I don't want to do it again. you
2: have to get you a diet soda.
1: I should. But I I figured like that was kind of cheating to Mm. some level because that's that's the idea. You drink a two liter of orange soda. You got to have the sugar that comes with it and see the after effect. The after effect wasn't great. Bebop from Rock Thrill, by the way, says, shaved head, thick beard. You're going to look like me, big dog.
3: Do you want to look like... Bebop from Rock Thrill? Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know what he looks like, but... uh... That's the alter ego, too. (laughs) Last thing before
1: we get into what we're watching. So we brought up Robert Sala. We brought up how JD should shave his head. If you move on from Steve Wilkes, like San Francisco is going to, then... Fiddy was bringing up during the break all of the interesting defensive names and so we even have a couple people writing other names on the text line. Think about some of the names here for you, Wes. You can give me a thumbs up or thumbs down, maybe verbally okay. because this is an audible medium. Okay. Rex Ryan, would you be down with that? Yes, sir. Thumbs up. Somebody said there's a lot of open toed shoes in San Fran well, and so maybe... We'll
2: just say Rex and I we definitely
1: have some things in common. Mm. That's awfully open of you. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm secure about mine. Okay. You and Rex, like this, (laughs) with the open-toed shoes. Rod Rivera. Oh, no, not our guy. We just had him on. Yeah, I'd be down with that. I'd be down with Rivera. Bill Belichick. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That (laughs) would
2: get me. Listen, I've I've been knocked a little bit out of my Super Bowl soapbox as far as feeling like it's something that's within reach. And it is still within reach. But if they got Belichick on the sideline, I'd probably be walking around here with the the 2025 Super Bowl championship ring on, just saying, "Go ahead and crown us." Okay. But with that maniacal mind going, with the, the the talent, I I mean, oh my God, he would. Uh, he I mean, the way he just finds people's weaknesses and just picks you apart. Oh, I'd love it. He, he'd find all the stuff with Mahomes, and oh, it'd be good.
1: It's just- the way you were talking about dream. the way you were talking about that, it sounded like you and Rex were looking at a barefoot,
2: <laughs> <laughs> bare woman's foot. Let's be clear here, but uh, yeah, a, a good looking one at that, not a crusty one. But um, <laughs> I hope
1: crusty feet is not your. Man. <laughs> but, no, but we know, we know, <laughs> really
2: we know that uh, Belichick. You know, this is what he's known for, man. He he finds those weaknesses and exploits them, and so uh, it'd be excellent. But I think that that's a, I think that's a pipe dream. I, I'm not. For one second, gonna allow myself to get excited about that unless mm, I saw I it across, the bottom, <laughs> across the bottom line.
1: Ship a sailed. If I see that come across the bottom line, then you know you I. You thought Tom Brady might go to San Fran? it it's Bill Belichick. Yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, last one. Mike Vrabel still out there. Uh, yeah, I'd be good with that, too. Okay, so you'd be, just good be good with, with, with any of the names. Just With those, with those yeah. guys, yeah. No, they're good names. I think I would be, too. So yeah. we'll see if San Fran goes after any of them. All right, what are we watching tonight? Fitty, I know Saturday is a big college basketball night. What about this evening? And if not, is there something else you'll be watching?
3: I mean, you got Minnesota-Purdue. If Minnesota can get that win on the road, maybe they get in the NCAA tournament conversation. Feels like a better call, saw night. I watched episode three. Is it getting better for you? I liked episode three a lot more than I liked episodes one or two. So, might just be a sports adjacent night, if you will. I will.
1: Indeed, I will. What you got, Wes? What are you watching?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I'll be covering women's basketball uh, for the ACC Digital Network, where you can see all your ACC sports coverage. But NC State Notre Dame should be an interesting game tonight. But uh, it'll be women's basketball and then uh, whatever else is on. Is Caitlin Clark playing tonight?
3: I don't know. It's Thursday, so I feel like they're, they're probably in action. He's close to setting the record.
1: She is close. I yeah. think she got close to the last game, so we'll see if Caitlin Clark does yep. that.
3: they
2: play Michigan tonight, All so right. that'll be another one, another thing worth watching to see if she can break Kelsey Plum's record. I'd
1: like to see history, and I mean, how, we yeah. have so many. They more play games tonight at too. eight it's o'clock, crazy. but
2: it's on Peacock if you want to see
1: the game. Well, what if Caitlin Clark just came back next season? No. Would, th- would that be like she I put, put it me- so far out in front of people? I want her to go to the Indiana Fever, so I have a shot to go see her play. But like also. And play with Aaliyah Boston, but also I'd like to see those numbers get Pete Maravich-esque. I would like to see that. Yeah. All right, last one. Hey, go 49ers, baby! Tonight, taking on Texas San Antonio, That's right. back at Halton, looking to go 10 and 2 in conference, setting it up for a chance to go 11 and 2 when you play Wichita State this weekend, and then you go out on the road for the next two games. And so I'll I'll be watching Charlotte take on Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, one of my favorite nicknames, but I still want to beat them, Charlotte. Go 49ers. That'll do it for Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. We'll be back with you tomorrow from 12 to 3.